Good evening, ballers. Welcome to the 51st episode of The Step Back. 51 Ichiro edition. I, I can't think of a right. best one one, so screw it. It's spring training. <laughs> I like Ichiro. All right. <laughs> Your host, Leon Tonkins, my main man, Jacob Moses, and joining us tonight from Buzz City, actually the Golden City, <laughs> Steel City. There you go. <laughs> Third time's a charm. Yeah, I see. I because I, I had the hornets on my mind. But uh, welcome, Tyler Buckley. How you doing, brother? Good. How are you? Good. Good. Uh, glad to have you on. Uh, integral part of the group. Uh, yes, big on analytic analytics and and some, quite some interesting takes. But uh, I'm glad to have you on and, and uh, pick your brain about some topics and and get your thoughts on the surging hornets who. Right now, we're in a playoff spot. I can't believe it. I don't <laughs> but, uh, if you told me before, if you told me after Kepas was gone that we'd be in a playoff spot after the All Star break in 2021, I would assume half the league was hurt. We somehow signed LeBron James at this point. Like, I I don't understand. I thought we were pretty far away. Um, so the transition from Kemba leaving to somehow being re- not relevant last year, but having some bright sides um, and then being in a playoff spot here a year later is very confusing. But I think every, I, I don't think there's anything that could have went better at this point. Yeah. You, you guys hit a home run with LaMelo ball. Um, I know there's a, a lot of people who were uh, critical of his ceiling or his floor, but, you know, it seemed to work out with the talent he has there. And, and Gordon Hayward might have, might be the, the free agent pickup of a year. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. I I mean, the what he's doing efficiency-wise is just ridiculous. Like, as a first, second option, and shooting that well, mm-hmm. just ridiculous. I mean – you couldn't ask for more from him. I mean, at this point, they're shooting extremely well, actually, over the floor. I think they're ninth in three-point shooting since the All-Star break, which they were shooting well before. But, you know, even after, still successful. Um, Lamelo's shooting way higher than expected at this point. I mean, he's somewhere around – before he got hurt, was around 46% from the field and, like, 38%, I think, something like that, which, I mean, I think that was his biggest – flaw coming in the league was his question was his shooting I mean if you told me he shot 40 and 40 percent of the field and like somewhere a little bit over 30 percent in the from three for the year I've been happy right I mean that's his biggest issue was coming in the league again was his shooting so they come out like that can't complain no I I think well LaMelo his vision his playmaking ability is top-notch. You're right. The biggest drawback was his shot. But I think his standstill shot is much better than like him moving, uh, uh, him on the move. But Hornets really took off when he was inserted into the starting lineup. Uh, do you think it was too late or was it right on time? Uh, what's your thoughts on that? Definitely on time. I think if they – it really – it could have gone either way, right? Like they could have pushed him back a little further and they could have rushed him and clearly letting him kind of slide into that third guard role early on 
helped him because he clearly struggled at the beginning of the year. There was no question about that. And you saw the – I mean, game one, it was definitely a struggle. Yeah. He definitely was trying to get comfortable, couldn't figure out. The shot just didn't look right. Nothing looked right. And inserting him in that starting lineup to start would have been really bad. You just saw it even worse. I'm not sure he would have adjusted so quickly. Um, but once he got comfortable and he got comfortable against those second units, things started to change. And then that's when he started – when he's confident, I mean – his confidence is the roof, right? Like he just raises his game completely and raises everybody else's in the process. So that's definitely a good thing. Um, and the Graham injury was kind of what brought him into that starting lineup, right? So yeah. I don't think that he would have been in that starting lineup yet. I think it would have taken some time still. Um, but it kind of worked out well. I mean, all things considered, um, cause Graham kind of fits better in that second unit role. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lamelo fits better in that first unit role. And the nice thing about it is Lamelo doesn't have to be a primary ball handler in that second, in that primary, in that first unit. Um, it's been really strange to see him so successful in that off-ball role occasionally, which lets Terry and who probably better off off-ball anyway, but Terry occasionally mm-hmm. take the lead and let Gordon do his thing. So it's kind of weird. Like you can go through like eight-minute stretches in the first quarter where Lamelo's just playing off-ball or just kind of doing his thing with off – not with the ball in his hands, which is just crazy. And then all of a sudden, he takes six or seven possessions straight where it's just in his hand, in the hoop, or to an open shot. Mm-hmm. Can't complain. No. And, and what's funny is Kemba Walker faced the Charlotte for many years, kind of gets low-balled on the offer. Fast forward a few years to get Gordon Hayward as a max deal. Many question it. I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was the right move for Charlotte considering where they were. Uh, you know, veteran presence leading a young team. Do you think letting Kemba go was a mistake? It was. I think what they did was right, even though it was. It seemed kind of rough at first, right? Like Kemba was the face of the franchise, but was he? Is he a first? Like, is he the first option on a championship team? No. Is he the second? Maybe if he's healthy. And that's as a score, like, just as a primary scorer, right? Like, mm-hmm. no team is going to be guaranteed a championship as him with his second option. If you put him with LeBron, are they winning a championship right now without AD? No, probably not. No, no. Probably not, right? <laughs> probably well, not. It, it's not happening. Unless you're landing some ultra – Small forward like Kevin Durant, LeBron, you're not a championship team with Kemba as your even your second option, right? So at that point, move on, right? I mean, if you give him a max deal, can you afford the building a roster around him? Hmm. No, I, I just don't see it. So letting him go and just going full rebuild made a lot of sense, and it kind of let these you kind of figure out where you're at, right? You got expiring deals. The only deal that's in after this year, um, at that time was. Terry. Terry's the only deal after this year. So at this point, or at that point, you're committed to 20 million to Terry Rozier, who's you're trying to see if he's whether, you know, going to become a very good player or just become a six man. And you kind of let your future open up. Letting That was like the perfect time to let him go. And at least you got something out of him. I mean, if you give him a max deal, you're not going to be, you can't rebuild, right? And you're not anywhere close to it. And then you're kind of stuck with him, really. Which, I mean, who's want to get stuck with an all-star player, right? 
but <laughs> you're not going anywhere. Simple as that. So, but if you get him at 20 some million, okay, I'll take an all-star for 20 some million, right? Like who's going to, who's going to decline that? Right. So it either get him cheap or you just let him go. Makes plenty of sense. Who, who's your favorite uh, Hornet all time? All time? It's Kemba still. I mean, it, it really was the face of the franchise for years. I mean, it was the only thing exciting about that franchise from the Bobcat era and on. I mean, it sucks to see him go, but at the end of the day, it makes sense. I still think he has some, something left in the tank, but Boston's got a lot of issues to fix there before they can see that happening. Yeah, they, they, made, they made some move. They made a move couple moves at the, at the deadline. I didn't think it was enough, but uh, we'll, we'll get into that in a, in a little bit. Uh, Jacob, how are you feeling this evening? You got the R.J. Barrett on. You got the oh my God. Knicks. We, we, we Big comeback that. last night, man. How you yes, feeling? sir. That was good. It was good. R.J. actually, he stepped it up. You know, Randall went out with a little quad injury. He was, he was like, getting on the bike and trying to loosen it up. And Taj Gibson, you know, that vet leadership, Got into RJ, you know, gave him a little encouragement, and that's all it took, you know, uh, quickly doing his thing. Alec Burks has been playing amazing, just efficient basketball is what they signed him for. And you can't – I know it's the Wizards, but still. <laughs> I mean, you, you can't go wrong with that. A comeback win, um, they, they show heart. I mean, the grit in this team, Mitchell Robinson is looking okay. Noel is still doing his thing. Alfred Payton being trash. Once again, I repeat, let's rewind that back. Elton Payton, Alfred, Alton, whatever his name is, trash. Please, they should have tried to get something. I don't know what's going on with him and Perry, but that got to end. And I'm hoping to Christ we don't see him again. Also, he had a no-trade clause, by the way. Just a, a Peyton, little Wait, Payton has a no-trade clause? Yes, he did. How the yeah. hell he managed I, that? I, like I said, him and – him and Perry are like this, but um, but the Knicks are playing well. They're another team, just like the Hornets. I said, with the, if they played right the whole year and things went their way, they both could have made the playoffs. And look at us now. We might be in the playoff race. I don't care if they get knocked, like I said, four in the first round. That means the culture changed. We got to the playoffs. They did what they have to do. And that's all she wrote. But let's see. But like the Hornets, I, when they signed Hayward, I'm like, okay, if he's healthy, he would be really good for that team. Lamelo, I I will say it. I wasn't I was high on everything else but his shooting, everything else his vision. I saw a lot of games in since high school, all the way up. His vision always been there. His shooting just irritated the hell out of me. The form just killed me. Taking half court shots, yeah, he was making them, but you're like, will that translate in the league? But he's a really smart player, and I still don't think how his dad can say that uh, Leangelo or Jello is the best one. That's still kind of wild to me. I just don't. <laughs> He's so good. Why isn't he in the league? But okay. But no, you should be proud, Tyler. Just man, I'll be hype. I'm hype. <laughs> I'm just the next uh, corner. This is this is crazy. This is like the early nineties again. Kind of. It's a nice fit. It's <laughs> yeah, and Nick Hornets goals on it. It's it's wild. Yeah, it is. It's. We thought 2020 was wild. 2021 brought us the Knicks and. As we're five seeds. <laughs> no, just wait. The conference champs are the seventh seed, and the Boston Celtics are the eighth seed. Oh, man. That, 
That's not 2021. I don't know what it is. <laughs> oh, man. It's late March. Mm-hmm. This is... It, there's plenty of time. They're four through ten seeds separated by two and a half, three games. So mm-hmm. uh, just jockeying for position, uh, trade deadline passed, and mm-hmm. uh, some moves were made. But first, uh, speaking of 2021, I've uh, got a somber note. Uh, one of the greats, Elgin Baylor, uh, passed away. One of, well, you could say of the first super teams created in the NBA with him, Jerry West, and Will Chamberlain on that Lakers team, Uh, 11-time All-Star, 10-time All-NBA first team, rookie of the year in 59, Uh, passed away at 86. Um, I I know we went through the group uh, covering the eras, uh, the 80s, the 70s. We didn't cover the 60s because there's not much much video. (laughs) So, uh, but to, to understand the impact he had on the game, one of the premier high-flying, ahead of his time, small forwards in the league, uh, just to show you, give you his numbers. From 60 to 63, he averaged 34.8, 38.3, and 34 points a game. Uh, averaged 13 and a half rebounds for his career and averaged 19.5 rebounds in 1960. So, I mean, he was a, a do-it-all forward who captivated the, the game some say the best player to not win a championship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, what, what are you saying? Third, fourth best of all time in his position? I mean, <sighs> yeah, I mean, I would, I would, you could probably say third if you're right behind yeah. LeBron and Larry, and, and even yeah. Larry and and Baylor could be a toss up. It just depends on your your preference of era, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the top three are close enough that it's a conversation, right? That's just the impact alone. Yeah, it's definitely great. I mean, he's kind of like, I mean, he plays every time he basically look at his games, you know, plays 70 games, 70 games, 73, 48. He must have been injured, 80, 78, 74. But when he played most of those games, he played like 40 minutes a game. So he's taking no breaks. Right, and, he missed some time due to uh, he had some service time. There you go. That's what it was. But yeah, that dude was great. I mean, he definitely didn't win a chip, you know. Shout out to the Knicks, Clyde Frazier, and all of them. But um, <laughs> but um, it's definitely one of the greatest Lakers of all time, best players of all time. That the rebounding is just crazy. Yeah. Just all this, especially for somebody his size. Like I said, just small forward, you don't really see that. And besides a few. But definitely one of the greats, man. He will be missed by the whole basketball world, man. Yeah, one of, one of the top uh, 50 players named in 96, 22 years as a Clipper executive, has his statue right outside Staples Center, named executive of the year in 2006. Uh, but a, a, as great of a player as he was on the court, he was an even better person off of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, in the 60s, uh, time in America, and, you know, un- unfortunately, with segregation and, and Jim Crow laws and so on and so forth, uh, Lakers traveling, Baylor was denied to eat at a restaurant, and he decided to boycott the game, didn't play, uh, 
the Lakers followed suit. They didn't play. And afterwards, the Lakers demanded non-segregation clauses and contracts when setting up games. So Baylor stood for something. Uh, it was you know, bigger than himself and the team, uh, and to have the team follow him as well uh, just speaks to uh, his character as well as his, as his play on the court. So that's about being a leader. That's not appreciated until you're gone. That's, yeah. that's how I kind of feel about Braun. That's, that's going to be the same thing. You're not going to appreciate it until you don't see him anymore. Yeah, it, it, it's going to – it's it's a rough go. Uh, 2021, it's more or less picking up where 2020 left off with the yep. unfortunate events. But um, condolences to his family and the NBA community as we, we lost a good one. Uh, so – I, I trade deadline was yesterday. I, I know we had an active thread in the group. Um, shout out to everyone who participated. Um, you know, it, it was rather, it was active, but not like a lot of the names moved that I thought, you know, would. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I kind of equate this to with the wild card in, in, in baseball, you know, so many teams involved. So, you know, you kind of find out who the buyers and sellers are. And, you know, Chicago, I, I previously said, kind of in that, uh, kind of up in the air. Uh, Norman Levine's a free agent, but they're also right on the cusp of a, a playoff spot. They go out, make a big move for Vucevic, trading away Porter, Wendell Carter Jr., and two first-round picks. Uh, so got Levine and Vucevic in Chicago. Tyler, what's your thoughts on Vucevic uh, joining uh, the Bulls? I mean, I think it makes him a good playoff team, right? Like, what's what's their realistic goal here, though? Like, are they trying to be – are they trying to keep Zach around? Are they trying to build around Zach? Like, what's the end goal here? Because realistically, the East runs through three, maybe four teams right now, right? Like, you know that given everyone's healthy, top three teams are pretty obvious, especially right now. It's clearly Brooklyn – with that, the three of them and three stars. Um, That's what I want to hear. <laughs> you've got Milwaukee. I mean, Giannis is always going to do his thing. Milton, Holiday, they've got a nice supporting cast outside of them, but that's just a good team in general. We know anytime Giannis is leading a team, it's going to have success, right? Right. Uh, and then you've got Philly, who finally gave Ben all the shooters that they possibly could want and need. <laughs> Indeed, hopefully, he's going to be healthy. I mean, we never know with him anymore, unfortunately, but mm-hmm. healthy, that team is a top three or four team. And then you've got Miami, who is under 500 right now, but defending conference champions. Just added Depot, a team that's been really successful this season when Jimmy's healthy, but between COVID and own actual physical health, it's just been that team's destroyed all year round, right? right. So, are they a playoff team? Yeah, but I'm not sure where they go from here because Vucevic's 30 years old, I believe. They're going to be 31 soon. Yep. So, you're, you know, how many years does he have left? I mean, he's in his later of his prime, but Zach's, what, 27? Somewhere in there. Yeah. Uh, they're just – they're seems like they're going all in for a team that just unfortunately is just not going to get past the first round, right? Like, 
as much as excited I am for the Hornets to make the playoffs, the I mean, you've got the Knicks to be a good team, Bulls, a couple other teams that are in there, Pacers, maybe the Raptors, uh, Celtics, obviously. Uh, it's just a lot of teams are kind of battling right now to be a first-round playoff team, and then I just don't see them going any further. So they mortgage a lot of – I mean, Wendell Carter, I'm not sure they're really sold on him clearly because they gave up on him. Right. Uh, Gave up or just got a better player, right? Um, and then you also add in two firsts. They mortgaged the future a little bit for there. So, yeah, they got a lot better now, but I'm not sure that's better for the future at this point because, again, they're just – they're a good team, but I don't see it being anything past that, unfortunately. No, I can't see it either. With um, You trade for him. Of course, it made sense because you can tell they believe in marketing more. And he actually can stretch the floor a lot better than Wendell Carter can. He's more of a banger in the paint. So it made sense to move him. But like you said, Vooch is, he's, you know, he's getting up there now. How much is that really going to make Zach stay? I don't think so. I think he's going to leave the first chance he gets. Maybe it's just his demeanor. He just doesn't seem happy. You know, he just, just seems like he has this face. You can tell when guys are legitimately enjoying playing on the floor and doing that thing. Maybe it's just how he is. But. The Bulls, they, yeah, they get they get to the playoffs. I mean, Kobe, really good. You know, you have Booch, Zach, Pat Williams. He's coming along fine. So that that should be enough. Yeah, I like. I think he's happy with Booch if it's coming, but I just don't think he's necessarily gonna be happy in the direction they're going. Right? Like, yeah. It's just it's unfortunately just not enough. Like, and it's nothing against Zach, but championship team. Like Kemba, not a first option. Maybe a second option. I mean, with the way he's playing there, absolutely a second option. I mean, he's shooting over 50%, over 50, 40, 80. It's somewhere in the high, oh, almost high 80s. Almost yeah, 80. he's in the high 80s. He's 50, 40, 90 club, right? And mm-hmm. even higher, actually, on the field and from three. But it's just Vucevic's then a third option. So now you're missing that first option, which then, I mean, if you took somebody like Harden or KD and put them on that team, yeah, they're a contender. Oh. I mean, that's instantly a championship team, right? Uh, it's, it's, they're, think, not a cha- maybe not a championship team, but a contender no. in the East. I, I, I think Zach's the first option. He, he, he is absolutely streaky. And he, he has uh, elevated his game to the point where he is a legitimate 25, 30-point threat every night. He just didn't have one the help around him. Marketing was hurt. Wendell Carter, you know, he's decent, but from what they got for Vucevic, the inside-outside threat, I, I think it, it showed commitment to Zach. I think he stays. And, you know, Kobe White, if, if they're able to build, it's a nice building block with Kobe, uh, Zach, Vooch, and Billy Donovan finally getting some offense in Chicago after years of boiling and old <laughs> 90s uh, Scores, I, I, I think if I would have grade this trade, I, I'd give it a, you know, A minus, B plus. I, I think this was stellar. It, it's not for – this year would help, but it's also showing commitment to next year. Um, I, 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 I like this trade a lot. So here's the question. How many first options are there out there that are legitimately first options on championship teams? Like if you said I could – how many players right now could be a first option 
and take a team to a championship, given, you know, the stakes are fair around, given the teams right now, how many of those guys could be first options and win you a championship and you'd feel comfortable going to the playoffs? I mean, look at James Harden. He was a first option. He needed – he uh, sacrificed his game. You look at uh, Jimmy Butler. You would Do you think of him as a first option? First option scorer? He turns yeah, it on the, when he wants. I think he's on that border. Where Jimmy kind of gives you more intangibles such as, you know, his hustle, his leadership. There's a lot of, like, little things that he does that makes him that borderline first option. But the nice thing about them is – Miami was so deep last year that, I mean, Bam became the all-star that he was. Um, Tyler was giving you double digits every playoff game. I mean, for a rookie, shooting, scoring 16 points a game, I think it was somewhere, somewhere around the 15, 16 points a game, and was efficient too, um, hitting crazy shots that, and daggers that you just didn't expect, right? They, Goron was averaging, I think, close to uh, almost 20 points a game in the playoffs. I could be completely wrong on that, but he was – going off himself. I mean, they had a lot of guys that were putting up really good numbers and that made Jimmy that first option and successful. And Jimmy had like a crazy year, right? Right. So if you think Zach's the first option, maybe, but he's on that back end, the point where that second option has to be another great player just because of who else is in the league, right? Like you've got teams like Brooklyn again, who's got is Tyree's the first option on a championship team. Yeah. 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 So now you have to figure three. Either you're going to stop Which three is, first options. Wait, you don't have to stop them. Whoa. Yeah. Right. So that's why Vooch is the next piece. You show Zach, well, there's a commitment. Let's, let's uh, play around with the roster a bit and see if we can find that third piece. The Rosen, maybe. I don't know. But they, they have something that they can work with. Wendell Carter and, and, and Otto Porter Jr. just wasn't going to cut it. Uh, I, I, I still like the move for Chicago. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's a bad move. I'm just not sure they're going to find the next piece that's going to put them over the over that hump to put them into like that. You start getting to that second, third round where you start to finally kind of mm-hmm. break down other teams. I think Philly right now, I mean, given injuries – Philly's championship team for the next couple of years, right? Like they're going to be in there. Uh, Brooklyn, mm-hmm. assuming that you know that core doesn't break up, championship team, team, championship level team for the next couple of years. Milwaukee just committed to Giannis, so um, given that Giannis doesn't have some breakdown, he's <laughs> on a team. That's a that's a championship team, or at least somewhere in, in the competition. Um, and then that fourth team, Miami, for a little while. I mean, their their core is pretty young outside of Jimmy. Not that Jimmy's old, but pretty young, relatively outside of him. I mean, I they're going to have to find that second, that borderline second first option to put themselves over the hump, and I'm just not sure who's going to be available for them to do so. That's fair. Uh, never, never move from Orlando uh, as they go complete their fire sale. Aaron Gordon, this man knocked down seven threes I've never seen in my life. Got his ticket to Denver and, and, uh, for was it Gary Harris, R.J. Hampton, and the first. Aaron going in Denver. I, I, I like it. I really yeah. like this freaking move. That front court is going to be a problem. For I yeah. mean, it's 
And you know he already likes to get up and down the court, so he just it's gonna be fun. And plus, Joker he knows how to pass it, so that's gonna be real interesting. You know, Gary Harris, I was high on him when they you know drafted him, but you know he can three and D guy, but it just seems like after his first two years he just fell out of place, especially with MPJ coming in and doing his thing, and Michael Beasley at the time, not Michael Beasley, sorry. Malik Beasley at right. the time, um, he kind of really just fell out of place. But I like this move for Denver. It, I honestly think they could have won it. They won the trade season. Just doing that alone, it should be a problem. Yeah, I, I think Gary Harris has some hip hip issues too. I believe. Yeah, right? he did. Mm-hmm. I couldn't remember. I, yeah, hip issues. So that I think that's what kind of threw him off. Mm-hmm. I and mean, he was going to be a good player, but it's just that hip injury kind of dropped him off. For sure. I'm just. Yeah, I, I think that's. Probably the best move of the the off season, or this trade deadline, maybe with Depot coming in for pretty much chunk change. Not that they really <laughs> had. <laughs> he was he was like Miami or Miami, mm-hmm. Miami or don't play right. So <laughs> at this point, um, you take whatever Miami's willing to give you. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm not sure Gary Harris really has value at this point based off his contract. So I'm not mm-hmm. sure what that was why he was kind of in there other than to fill a roster spot and to. You know, yeah. maybe hope that he can, if he gets more playing time and gets more better looks mm-hmm. um, and gets the ball in his hand, maybe he'll kind of bring himself some value. Um, but, yeah, I'm not sure he has much value there. RJ Hampton, obviously, I mean, you're going to have Man. value of a guy there. And the first-round pick, that pick's not going to be great, but at least nope. it's a first-rounder. <laughs> right. Kind of a guy that kind of won it out. So mm-hmm. um, I don't think Denver gave up much. But I also think that Orlando got something at least out of him. So walking away out of this day with, what, two seconds, three firsts, and, you know, Gary Harris is not bad, but, you know, maybe you get something out of him eventually. And another rookie, young rookie, well, obviously right. young, a rookie, at least you get something out of this day. They need to go full rebuild at this point. And they've got – they've already started that rebuild too with – Oh, yeah. Uh Cole Anthony and a couple mm-hmm. of the young guys. Markel so. Fultz, when he comes back. See, yeah. well, Orlando has been killed by injury. Uh, Jonathan Isaac, uh, mm-hmm. Anthony Isaac Fultz. Yeah, so, yeah, but better that they punt now and, and start the rebuild process rather than hold on to Vucevic and, and, and middle around in the, in, in the 15th, 16th pick just to perform the process all over again. Yeah. I think the one thing that I would have to – be sad about for them if I was a Magic fan was not getting rid of uh, Terrence Ross. I thought he could have brought in at least mm-hmm. a first. Um, he's not that. He's not like he's you know game changing player, but that's a guy that kind of comes in the playoffs and makes a big difference for a team. Um, I mean, kind of reminds me not the play style, but kind of the impact that like Jay Crowder made last year for Miami. Mm-hmm. I thought that if he ended up on a you know championship caliber team, he could make some plays and make some splashes here and there. Um, especially in that second unit that, you know, could have brought you at least some picks or somebody young. Yeah, it, it, it makes plenty of sense. They traded everybody but him. Uh, Orlando also trading Evan Fournier for two second rounders to Boston. Uh, Boston gets that uh, Hayward replacement guy, two-way player, good shooter, uh, defend well, come off the bench or possibly play the three. Uh, 
What do you make of Evan Fournier to Boston? I like it. I mean, they got him relatively cheap, right? It was two seconds and something else. I forget what the other other thing was. I'm not, I'm not sure if you recall who it was, but I, I think it was just two second, two second round picks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two second round picks for a guy that's you know could put up anywhere between 15 and 20 a night, right? Like, and he's going to do the other, a little other things here and there. Um, I'm just not sure they've got the space on the floor for him at this point. Like, their biggest issue was the four and five, right? So yep. they go out and get rid of their primary. Uh, defender at the five and then add another wing right so like <laughs> what's the thought process here right like the idea was to bring in a five like Vucevic and then they did the opposite they got rid of a five and brought in a two three like yep. I, I like the player I'm just not sure what the purpose of doing that was I feel like if you're going to make that deal I mean if you're going to get him for two seconds yeah absolutely take him and especially if you can invest in him long term at a relatively cheap price, take them, right? But if you're going to do that, you have to go out and get a five. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm not sure what their thought process was, unless they're re- – like, I like Robert Williams. I think he's got potential. Oh, yeah. I but I, I just – they must – unless they're going to commit to him full-time moving forward, I feel like they just didn't do enough, mm-hmm. especially with how bad they've been, right? Like – it's not like they've been – I mean, they've had their COVID issues and stuff like that, like other teams, and injury issues here and there. Um, Kemba obviously can't stay healthy all, at all this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Tatum's missed some games from COVID. And they've had some other issues again, but it's just – they're not like a team like Miami who was falling apart because of just because of co- – like not because of just COVID, but COVID and injuries, right? Like Boston's problems weren't just that. That four and f- – five position when Tatum isn't playing the four is, I mean, you've got Robert Williams being successful, but they're limiting him to under 20 minutes a game. Christian Thompson is not the answer. (laughs) And then their only other option, they just traded. So who's going to log those minutes at the five at this point, right? So that's going to be interesting. I'm not even sure who they've. Well, there's talks of them, uh, talking to Drummond, so he may take a look and uh, take a look over there. I don't know about – I think Aldridge said he's not interested in Boston. That wasn't one of his teams. Yeah. But, yeah, like we went through this even during the playoffs and, and their need for a big and all off season it was the same thing. I, I, I personally believe that this was just Danny Ainge under the pressure just to make a move because he – didn't pull the trigger before, you know, uh, needing that third star, you know, you miss out on Paul George, you miss out on, on Harden and you end up with Fournier. Granted, he's a nice player, but he, I don't, it's not the difference maker that you need. It, if it was Fournier and someone else, you, you can make that, uh, you can make that argument. I, I, I just think it was Ains just making the deal just to, you know, say he did something. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I don't think Boston's anywhere near like Boston's way ahead of their time where like Tatum and Brown are so young. Smart's still relatively young. Robert Williams, if he's part of your future, if, you, if he's going to finally grow into the guy that they think he can grow into. I mean, they've got a nice young core. I mean, the only guy that's getting up there in age is 
Kemba and and part of their core is Kemba, right? Right. So at this point, they don't need to go all in. Like going out and getting Vucevic makes a big difference now, or getting another a big game five makes a difference. But they don't need to be a championship team right now. I think if you start to watch these kind, I mean, the main core, those first options right now. Um, I mean, LeBron, KD, Harden, those guys are kind of getting up there in age. So maybe they kind of wait it out and don't commit too heavily. Um, but they've got to be careful that, you know, the cap doesn't become an issue in the future too, right? So right. Um, they're going to have to lock up – they are locking up Jason, Jason and Jalen long-term here. So I, it's kind of those things like they feel like they're just on that edge where they can become a contender. But why do you salvage the future – to go in right now when the guys are still so young. Yeah. I, I, I have a feeling they're going to look to trade Kemba this off season. Um, yeah. so they're going to, you know, just cut bait and try to rearrange that roster. But I mean, credit to Boston trying to go for it now, but I, I, I just think, I don't think it was enough. Uh, mentioned another Eastern conference team, the Miami heat. <laughs> Getting Victor Oladipo for uh, Avery Bradley, Kelly Olynyk, and what a, a second round pick, right? Uh, <laughs> no, the first. Draft swap. Draft swap. Oh draft yeah. Swap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> it's last. I just gotta say one thing. Let me get this one out. So you telling me they traded James Harden and Victor Oladipo? For Kelly Olenek, for Kelly Olenek, once again, I, we're, don't adjust your screens. You, you got this right. Kelly Olenek, <laughs> two superstars, and they get – botch is not even a word. I mean, they fucked up. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> they got a lot of firsts out of it. I, the thing is, like, the, the Aladipo, the Depot trade just didn't make sense in the first place. Like, why exactly. would exactly? Like, I understand Debo's a great player. Like, he was the second best player in that deal, right? Like, other than Harden, he's the best player in that deal. Absolutely. So, uh, I think it was, I it was Levert, but you know. I mean, that's just understandable. He's on that like healthy depot, absolutely. Injured depot, I don't know. But at the end of the day, it's like, why did you get him if you knew he didn't want to be there? Why wouldn't you just keep? There had to be something in there that made Levert have to go out. Like there had to be something involved that forced them to do that swap because you wouldn't do that knowing Depot's situation Mm-mm. and be uh, still thinking uh, that you're going to get more for Depot than you are for Levert, and, right? And Jared Allen. Exactly. It's not like it's not like he's a bum. It, yeah. It, none of it made any sense. Yeah, I, I was okay with them getting all those first, especially with I mean with the. Um, uh, I forgot the, the exact trade rolling, but them having to be every other year for those draft picks. Yeah, you can't do it in a consecutive years. Yeah, you're pushing the 2028 for that last Brooklyn pick, right? Yeah. And, I mean, Brooklyn's all in right now, right? Oh, so, it, are they a championship team in seven years? Uh, no, but we'll, we'll take you know, we'll take four out of seven. That's fine. Take four out of seven. <laughs> so, are they a championship team in 2026? Yes. You think? 
Who? Yeah. Brooklyn, five years from now, you, you think they're a championship team? How? Who the hell they winning with? Harden, <laughs> duh. <laughs> so, so, at the end of the day, those two picks unprotected in 2026 and 2028 could be pretty high, right? While they're also on the flip end of maybe pushing that rebuild to, mm. I'm assuming they get somebody like Cade Cunningham this offseason. Pretty good. And you start that rebuild. So maybe those picks come around where it kind of looks like the Brooklyn situation, right? Where they become a good team. Then those picks become relevant again. Mm-hmm. And then they have top picks because Brooklyn's on the downslide. Houston's on the upslide. So maybe it's good for them. Hopefully. But Houston the- upslide. <laughs> I've never heard that in a sentence. <laughs> upslide or upside? Name a sport where Houston has an upside. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Wow. Hey. We have Deshaun Watts. Uh, oh, yeah, never mind. Hey. Yeah, yeah, never mind. Hey, I, hey, yeah. Either way, back to the subject of Depot. Um, I, Avery Bradley was pretty much a giveaway, right? Like, it was just a yeah. roster spot. Um, he's playing 20 minutes and at least being relevant for them, but nothing crazy. Nothing that, like, oh, no, Avery Bradley's out. Oh, no. So, the biggest issue for Miami at this point is Kelly Olenek, right? Like, as crazy as that sounds, he was still serviceable, giving them good minutes, hitting threes. When he was inconsistent, he was inconsistent. So you know, maybe you know, goes over five on a night. Next night he's four for five and he's dropping twenty points. You sure. know, so it just depends on what Kelly Olynyk kind of showed up for them. But if you're telling me I'm trading Kelly Olynyk in a crazy <laughs> drop up for Victor Aladipo, yeah, I'm pretty happy, even if it's for three, four months. Yeah, you you you, so, you can't turn that down. But, like, Houston could try to get as many picks as they want. They'll never catch the Thunder. So. No. They got I mean, lock. They only have to catch, like, 34 picks. It's not that big of a deal. <laughs> so, they've got 34, 34 picks with 17 being first, 17 being seconds. So, 17 first, and that's in the next, what, six, seven years? Seven mm-hmm. years? Yep. So, they're drafting at least twice in every first round pretty much. Well, yeah, but – uh, my my thing is, I, I those picks will turn into into superstars. You can you have enough picks where you can buy two stars. Oh yeah. Add him with um, SGA, and you could start that faster. So yeah, I mean that's what and, how they got them, right? They traded two yeah. stars. Yeah. So anybody thinks they're gonna draft, you know. Oh, 17 no. players, 34 players, they're out their minds. It's just <laughs> it's adding draft capital. It's, it's a premium. Yeah. Do you think Oladipo makes a difference in Miami to overtake uh, the top three seats? It's hard to tell because Miami's like – right now, But Miami with Jimmy Butler healthy, they're 18 and 12. So that gives you about 27 wins over the current 45-game schedule which would put them about, what's that, a game and a half behind Brooklyn right now, game and a half behind Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. And that's assuming – that's not even including the games that Bance missed, Tyler's missed, um, I mean, none, Dragon. Everyone's missed games at this point, right? So that's 18-12 with a, just Jimmy, not including the players that have missed over top of that, right? Um, so Miami's had it probably the worst of any team this season. Um, the only problem is I'm not sure. Are they just going to run five guards at some point? Is that the plan? Five guards and <laughs> wings? Is that the combination? Because looking at that depth chart now, 
you've got to find minutes for – and I know none didn't play much in the playoffs last year, but either way, you're still seeing a good player. So you got none, Dragon, Tyler, Depot, Duncan, and Jimmy. That's seven players right there that have to play over three spots in a game. And that's assuming Iggy plays the four. Yeah. They, that doesn't that, include Dave Vincent. Right. And they like both of them. Right. And, and Felipe brings up a good point. They, they needed a power forward, and which they, they traded for a bench piece from the Kings, Bialika. You know, he's a proven, proven shooter uh, found in the doghouse in Sacramento. I, I think he, he'll be valuable off the bench, but him and, and Precious Achua, like, they're, they're good role players. I'm not sure if that will be enough to overtake uh, the, the top three teams in the playoffs, but, you know, you're, you're banking on Jimmy Butler at that point. Yeah, I think the good thing about them, Miami is they match up well against Milwaukee, right? And we saw that that was pretty much what they've been doing for the last two years. They matched up well against them. Yeah, and- we saw that last year. I mean, they really took it to Milwaukee, right? Like, mm-hmm. they, the game they won in that series was a game that Giannis left in the second quarter or first quarter. I mean, he was dominant in the first, when he played, but he yeah, left and Milwaukee turned it around, right? So they were borderline going to get swept. Man matches well up, and he defends well. He's going to be a great defender against those top teams. Um, when he's guarding, you know, if he plays Philly, mm-hmm. Gordon Bede has success there in the past. Guards Giannis had success in the past. Um, so it's not like they're going to have to run up against, you know, somebody that they can't guard necessarily because Bam's mm-hmm. there. But you're pretty much going to end up getting small ball at some point, and you're going to run a lineup of probably, what, Goron, Tyler, Duncan, Jimmy, and Bam. Um, so I'm not sure that the four is really the biggest issue. Because um, I think once they get to down the stretch, they're gonna just run Jimmy at that four spot. Um, but I think they've got enough pieces to fill the minutes for now when they need to run an actual four and just run Bam with a five. Makes sense. It's it's one of those things like if they can get healthy and kind of get rolling before the playoffs come around, we'll start to see the true colors, right? Because you're going to have to figure out who's going to play minutes, who's going to sit. Um, I don't think none sits this time around. Uh, I think he's going to, they're going to see what he actually has in store for them and kind of leave that second unit at points. Um, and I think the best thing about bringing in Depot is your second shot creator isn't Tyler anymore, right? So he, the amount of shots that he's creating for himself is ridiculous. Um, the second year pro should not be taken fourth one creating that many shots, especially on a potentially championship team last year. Um, so getting Depot in there that created own shots is going to be nice. He'll get a lot more open looks than he was in Houston. And then they're both going to open up shots to each other. So that's going to be nice. So you'll see, hopefully see a raise in their shots there. Maybe Duncan gets some more open looks again, because he's had a pretty rough year um, yeah. for his last year. So I think their biggest issue is, not missing the four, but having so many different options that you almost like start kicking yourself of, should I play this guy over here? So th- what situation makes the sense in trying to, I mean, we've only got less than 30 games left and we got, they have to figure out their whole rotation. Yeah. They have uh, to all year. 
Yeah, but I, I, like Spolstra is a is a veteran coach. He's been through the the ringer, you know, proven championship pedigree. <laughs> I I think he'll figure all that out. Uh, I, I know there's talk about Marcus Aldridge possibly going over there. Um, I mean, it's it's another body. It could it could work. He's incredibly slow, but he's an excellent pick and pop person. Can't hurt them. Maybe except on a defensive end, but you know, you have Bam and Jimmy there. It, it, you can really make up for it. Yeah, and depending on what depot is there, if it's right. you know the healthy previous Indiana Pacers depot or what, but I'd imagine he starts to give 110 percent when he's where he wants to be. So, I mean, they're going to be interesting. I mean, they've got yeah, different shots. They've got guys that can hit open threes. They can straight up shoot. So, yeah, they'll, they'll definitely be a problem. Um, one more trade to go over the Atlanta Hawks swap with the Clippers Rondo for Lou Williams. Uh, Clippers looking for that point guard. Uh, you know, everybody knows Pat Bev is really not the answer. It was talked to him going with Kyle Lowry, but instead um, Rondo returns to LA. Uh, Lou Williams returns home, you know, Magic City Kitchen. Full effect. Um, what do you guys make of the Clippers Hawks trade? Yeah, Jake. Uh, I guess they they want a defense. I that's the only way I can go with it. Hawks get another scorer. I mean, I guess he might have wore his welcome. <laughs> oh, and plus, also you got Mark. You know, Marcus Morris there, so you know he can take on that six man role if needed. So, I guess they wanted to get. Like I said, another point on the floor that can actually run the team for that second unit, and Rondo can do that, or Pat Bev. So it's pretty much the same player. So with Rondo being a slight edge better, but it's yeah. the Clippers, so it's it's not too much to actually dive into with this move. It's they got tired of him pretty much. Yeah, they're really banking on playoff Rondo coming oh, yeah. along. It's I mean, the difference between what Rondo was doing the regular season last year and what he did in the playoffs was pretty significant, right? Mm -hmm. um, so if playoff Rondo's around, that's a big move. If not, I mean, I, I just don't think they really want to lose taking shots anymore at this point, right? Like, it's been a weird year for him. It feels like they just didn't want him around. So at this point, they were willing to just kind of move on from him no matter what. Um, and it was like – hey, we're not worried about now. We're worried about, you know, this playoff season coming up because this is a big one for us. Um, so especially with Kawhi, potentially could walk if he really, 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 really wanted to. Um, not that he will, most likely. Um, but if he wanted to, he could. So I think they had to go out and get somebody that would make a difference and potentially make a splash in the playoffs. And I just don't think they were sold on Lou doing it. So move on from him and find someone that can. Yeah, uh, I'm high on Atlanta. I was high on them during the year. Uh, but once they fired their coach, they went out one eight straight. Uh, they needed some scoring off the bench. Now with Bogdanovich back and Hunter back, Lou Williams add to the punch. Um, they're a high-scoring, high-octane team. Now they're playing defense. I, I think they'll be a dangerous uh, dangerous team to be playing in that six or seven 
see it. And, you know, Lou Williams been there before, goes home, makes that deal. And Rondo, you, you guys said it before, it's playoff Rondo. If you can get Paul George and Kawhi to get in line and, and, and lead them, get them over the hump, it's well worth a trade. Uh, we know Larry was the, you know, the top gun, but Toronto's asking price was quite high. Uh, Philly backed out, Clippers backed out, Miami backed out. Are, are you guys surprised that Lowry stayed? Not after I saw the, all the demands that they wanted from him. He can stay. <laughs> old Papa Lowry. <laughs> yeah. They really wanted some just, you know, first round, this ain't the Knicks, all right? You ain't, ain't nobody making that deal. Well, let me say this, the Knicks are about, you know, eight, nine years ago. But, yeah, nobody was making that deal. It was we're not giving up a whole bunch of capital for, you know, a rest of the year of Lowry. Come on. What team? Um, uh, go ahead. What's up? I'm surprised the Lakers didn't pull the trigger when, it, when the main piece was THT. They're really high on him or something. I, <laughs> I just – they don't want to – They every day, every big star, they're like, we really don't want to give him up or some kind of – Significant piece. They don't want to give him up. Or they... The money situation I can understand with Tyler, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I mean, what we saw in the playoffs last year is more realistic of what we're going to see moving forward than what we see this year, where he's just been battling injuries nonstop. And mm -hmm. you know, we know he can create his own shot. We know yeah. he's willing to just go out and do whatever it takes. And if they need him, someone to take a stupid shot and hope that it's going to go in, it's Tyler, right? We saw him put. It felt like he had, like, four or five daggers last playoffs that were, like, deep threes that, like, mm -hmm. you saw him take the jump and take the shot, and you're like, what is he doing? Oh, okay. So, I can understand that. But the THT thing, it's not like he's making a difference. Like, he's not playing significant minutes now. So, why not go all in with Anthony Davis and LeBron when mm -hmm. you still can? Especially when, like, it didn't seem like they were getting rid of any of the starters, right? Like, it seemed like there was nobody else in that deal except for THT and Pitts. I, I, I think the LeBron injury killed him. Yeah, they, I, think, I, think they, I think they figured out that, you know, if – I don't think they – I think they know they don't have enough to, to keep up with either Denver or uh, Utah. So why give up the young talent if you legitimately don't believe in ADs or LeBron's health coming in the next four to six weeks? Um, mm -hmm. That's why you saw like Schroeder on the block, Harrow on the block for some reason, and and these yeah. guys just brought in. So, I think internally, I don't think the Lakers believe. So here's the question though: like, how do the Lakers think they're going to miss the playoffs? Because right now, the only team that's going to take them out of the play-in at the very like they're six games, they're closer to Utah than they are to Golden State at this point, right? So they're five games back of Utah, six games back of Golden State in the play-on play-in. So the only team that would knock them out of a plan is Sacramento, and that's just not happening, right? No. So no matter what, they're come, they're playing a, a playing game at the very worst, assuming they just go full tank mode the rest of the way. So they're not falling 10 games back in the next six weeks. So why not go out and get somebody? I mean, if you don't and you fall to that – like say they only fall to the sixth spot, they're going to play the Clippers in the first round. Are you beating them with LeBron just coming back and AD just coming back? That's that's rough. That's I, I'm not sure they're going to beat them right now, like before the injuries, let alone after. 
Yeah, the, the, the Lakers are in, are in a tough spot, which is why LeBron was so uh, insistent on pushing back the start time, and it clearly shows now. Yeah, I, I just feel like the if it was THT plus picks, I mean, it sucks, but I think they could have kept Lowry around after the year and at least brought someone in to kind of make that team relevant for now to kind of at least keep pace, not keep pace, but come close to keeping pace. Yeah. It kind you of really just five hundred right point. They've they they haven't won a game since LeBron's went down. Nope. No, they haven't looked. Haven't. I mean, they they almost came back last night against Philly, but uh, comeback fell short. Uh, the, the Lakers. Are, I mean, if there was more time in the season, I'm pretty sure they'd free fall out of a spot. But uh, you know, the, the Pelicans are kind of in that eleven to twelve range. They're three games or so uh, behind there. Lonzo stays in New Orleans. J.J. Reddick goes to uh, Dallas. Are you guys surprised Lonzo stayed? Mm, no. I think people understood that he's going to be a free agent anyway. It's restricted, but you still can, you know, pull a Jeremy Lin move and get that poison pill third, you know, third or fourth year in there and kind of pry him away. But – I just think a lot of teams were weary on it because they didn't want to give up the capital for a rental. And I think a lot of teams are starting to see that. Like Miami made sense because Oladipo has made it clear he wanted to be in Miami. That's where he wants to be. So I can see them working something out. But Lonzo, we, we all know his dad. He said he wants out. Who knows him better than his father? They tried to get whatever they could for him. I mean, I just see it. Made sense not to trade for him. I'm kind of happy. Like I said, if it happened, Nick fan-wise, I would have been fine with it. They didn't happen. I'm fine with it as well because it's not like that would have put us over the top anyway. So, yeah, Lonzo Ball would have been nice with Julius Randle again, but. It's kind of like what's – like if you ignore the fact that he's an RFA, right? Like if you ask me at the trade deadline, a guy is 14, 4, and 6 – Mm. averages, puts up 43% from the field, 39% from the from three, shooting 77% from the free throw line. He's 23 years old, former top three pick. What's his price? Mm-hmm. Probably yeah, really high, right? Had to have been. Had to have been, had to have been high. And then you, his price drops because he's, an R, he's a free agent, mm-hmm. not as low because he's an RFA, not a UFA. But he's 23 years old. So if that team, whoever takes him in a trade – Mm-hmm. Resigns him, and they just got a good young player. So that's what the value that I'm sure New Orleans was looking for. They were looking for the 23 year old, good point guard who shoots well from the floor, is what they were looking for in value. The teams were looking at him as he's an RFA this summer. He's a six man borderline starter, starting point guard who can run a second unit or run with the first unit when necessary, mm-hmm. shoot well and then he's going to leave after the year. So one team's looking for this up here, and other team's looking for something down here. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't match up. The, the, the stats kind of – you look at the stats, and it, and it kind of sometimes misleading, which brings us to our next point. You know, Tyler, you're kind of a new school. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it, analytics versus the eye test, you know, we saw we see players back in the day. We see players today. The three-point game is much more prevalent now than what it was before. 
And, you know, I, I will give you credit. You do bring a lot of interesting polls to the, to the group. Sure. Uh, you, you know, we, we differ on a lot of players. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll give you some examples. You know, first, Trey Young. Um, <laughs> yeah, you, you think he's got awful. Analytics show it. But, I, I, you know, his eye game reminds you of Curry and Light. And then you kind of wonder where is the disconnect. So where does the analytics play in uh, as far as uh, you uh, determining a player? So it's kind of like at first you can't take it too extreme, right? Like Trey Young, a late, a late playmaker and score, right? Shoots not as well as you think. Um, but his range kind of makes sense for that, right? Like, right. he's going to take any shot. It's Dame, Steph, they take the ridiculous shots. They're just much more efficient with them. But not like Trace, super inefficient, right? Mm-hmm. But he's willing to take those shots, and that's what makes him a first option score and a first option off on the side, right? But we then it kind of brings you to the defensive side. How bad does it get? Well, we trashed James Harden for years, right? And he was lazy. There's no <laughs> way around that. He wasn't bad when he was actually – it wasn't – I don't want to say bad. But he wasn't atrocious and as bad as people made it seem to be when he was actually putting the effort. His laziness was kind of his issue. Trace isn't this necessarily laziness. It's that he's literally the worst defender in the NBA. It's not even close. <laughs> like, it's – the bar is so low – it's bad. It's that's the one thing that kills me. It's like if he was even, if he was a bad defender. I'm not even talking how bad he is now. Just a bad, like mediocre kind of. I'm not even. He doesn't have to be mediocre. Mm. He could legitimately just be bad, <laughs> and he would be on that top three point guard, right? Yeah. You're you're yeah. talking Steph, Dame, and then. Oh, it depends on where you put Luca as a position. Yeah, Kyrie, you don't put it on him. So you, not, he would be. Yeah, he's in that conversation, top three, top yeah. five, depending on where you positionize players nowadays because Luca came out as a small court. Apologize, my dogs are going crazy. But um, depends on the positions, right? So he's in that elite conversation. But then you look at his defensive side where it kills him so much where it's just – it's a shame because everything he does in the offensive end kind of gets kicked back on the defensive end. And – it's not like he's super efficient like Steph. Mm-hmm. Like, Steph's not a good on-ball defender. That's no secret, right? Oh, he's off. Yeah. yeah, exactly. There's a reason why every time it comes around, Clay would – they'd switch. Clay was all on the ball mm-hmm. instantly, as soon as they could. But off-ball, not a problem, right? And that's kind of his issue. Like, he's just – there's no success anywhere. He's not instinctive, you know – there's no instincts. There's nothing that kind of makes you excited. Like, if the ball is anywhere near him on defense, it's just a shame. <laughs> it really is. Like, as bad as it sounds, it's just – it doesn't result in good things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, league average in – obviously, league average-wise, he's shooting pretty much on point, right? Um, actually, slightly inefficient, technically. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're also considering the fact that league average talks about guys who get much better shots. 
So seven foot guys getting easy dunks under the rim, Clint Capella, DeAndre Jordan kind of guys. Um, so, you know, he's average in terms of efficiency shooting, but he's just so hard to stop. Right. Uh, inefficient with the turnovers, but his turnover, I mean, turnovers make sense considering he's putting up, you know, he can give you a 30 and 10 on a night. Mm-hmm. Plus he has the ball in his hands a lot. So that's, yeah. that's driven too. So it's that, um, he, he, every possession goes through him. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Um, every so possession. it's, it's one of those things like, it's not necessarily that I hate Trey Young because I was huge on him coming out of college. Mm-hmm. As as much as you know, he got a lot of hate for going to be a bust because he, he takes bad shots and you know he can't play defensively. Kind of true. And the ball has to be in his hands. But that's one of those things that worked out for Atlanta well, right? Like mm-hmm. that was kind of the same thing with Charlotte. Was we had the same issues with Lamelo? Can't play defense. The only thing going for him is his size, and he can't shoot. Well. You gave the guys the key to the city and let the guys do their thing and success comes, right? Mm-hmm. So, and both those teams obviously needed somebody to do that for them. They, you need that start and you need to establish it, right? They couldn't fall for a guy that's just going to be good. They need a guy that's going to be great. Mm-hmm. So, I like Trey. I just wish he'd put in more effort on the defensive side and just kind of – and you can't teach some of this – but he's got to figure something out because if he continues his pace as the worst defender in the NBA for years, which I'm hoping he gets better. He's only 22 years old, but if he continues his pace, it's going to be rough. And I'm, that's kind of the point where it comes playoff time is, is he going to get picked on? Oh, absolutely. Oh yeah. Well, that's barbecue chicken. Huh? <laughs> yeah. And how bad is he going to get picked on? Is it going to be like, you know, I mean, you obviously you can't take him on the floor. You, you just can't. No. But in that, but on the other end, you take guys off like Drummond who can't play in the fourth quarter because he's going to shoot 36% from the free throw line. Mm-hmm. And it's just – it's a shame that he can't figure it out on the defensive end, but they've got to do something um, to put themselves at the top, and that's one of the like major things that they need to fix with him. Um, Another player uh, that I'm pretty sure we're going to go at odds with, D'Angelo Russell. <laughs> Analytics say he's, you know, the mid range has his game. Uh, it, it shows his inefficiency. Although he's made strides in, in his year in Brooklyn and now uh, that year in Golden State, he kind of, I, was, I thought it was an off year for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Minnesota now, there's no uh, towns with there to build cohesion. What's your thoughts on D'Angelo Russell? My man took a deep breath. <laughs> oh, so Dillo's one of those guys that, like, he needs the ball in his hand, right? You feel like he needs the ball in his hand. Again, not a good defender, but not necessarily Trey Young back, but also not the difference on the other end. Um, I feel like he just doesn't accomplish it. Like, he's not enough to be a primary scorer, right? So it kind of puts you in that Kemba range, too, where he can – he's a floor raiser, but not a, somebody that sets your ceiling high, right? Like I like that. Like, he, if you ask me right now, somebody like would I want Lonzo or I want D'Lo, 
was my team atrocious, like the Nets were when he first came into town, give me D'Lo all day. Mm-hmm. But if you're a championship team that needs another piece, you want Lonzo. Maybe, Lonzo, maybe Lonzo fits better. For the defense. Yeah, and not only the defensive side, but you can trust him running the second unit and getting things involved. But then he comes to the first unit and he doesn't need that ball in his hand, mm-hmm. right? So, although Lawrence is inconsistent, but you get the piece though. So, it's one of those things where like, I just not sure he's ever gonna make the difference. And it seemed like this year was a big piece of that too, right? So, like he went to Minnesota, the expectations were they were gonna be a good team. Beasley had a really good year last year and became a good player, something they could trust. They added a number one overall pick. D'Lo, Cat, I mean, those four or five pieces are good pieces. And then they still struggled? Why? Never on the floor together <laughs> at the same time, really. <laughs> That's true. That's definitely a part of it. Um, but they just couldn't find success. And I think that Minnesota looks a lot better with a ball in Anthony Edwards' hands than it does in D'Lo's, right? So we've seen D'Lo t- or Edwards take 21 shots a game at this point. He's take, I think he's taken 21 shots a game since the All-Star break. Yeah, he's been taking a lot. He's been chucking a lot. Which is ridiculous for a rookie, right? Like, mm-hmm. you have a guy like that taking 21 shots a game, you're probably terrible, which Minnesota is. But when he's scoring 26 points a game, that's a pretty good sign, especially when it's efficient, right? Mm-hmm. So – what is Delo's like realistic stealing at this point? He'll get he's you know, he is what he is. He can get you eighteen, you know, maybe three or four rebounds, you know, five or six. He can be that playmaker on the floor. We've seen it. Like especially yeah. with the Nets, you know what he can do. I would want him on my team, because obviously I'm I'm point guard star. I'm not like you guys. I don't have a point guard like that. So um who? I said we have we have four. Yeah, guys. It must be nice. Yeah, it must be Graham, Mello. I mean, come on now. Love Mello. Excuse me. I'm sorry. We have four guys on point guard right now. We're just like, who wants it? Who wants it now? <laughs> but, but. Listen, the, the last guy who bad mouthed D'Lo, we muted him in a group for about two or three months. So my suggestion is you tread carefully. So you're saying I need to go in there and just paste a, a full rant of thousand reasons why I hate D'Lo. And the list just never stops. <laughs> I'll, give you, I'll give you one more player. Russell Westbrook. So, there's a trend here, right? The three players. Inefficient. Fair, right? So, the thing with Westbrook is, of uncontested rebound, free throw rebounds in Oklahoma City... I forget the time range exactly, but it was, I want to say it was a three-year time range um, after Durant left. Um, he had 62 uncontested rebounds, defensive rebounds on the free throw, from free throws. The next closest person in the entire league had 21. Okay. Which isn't a problem. I mean, that's great for them because they really needed him to jumpstart the offense, right? Um, he pushes the pace, and that's what he does. I mean, he's – Literally a madman. That man runs at 100 miles an hour at all points, doesn't stop, and that's great for him. Um, but his problem is he over he kind of takes himself out of the play, right? Um, not to go back to the Hornets, but 
Terry Rozier did the same thing for a while when he first came to Charlotte was his issue was he didn't know how to slow it down. He was hundred miles an hour and he did the same thing in Boston for a while too. Now that he slows it down a little bit, a lot better player, more efficient with the ball. You can trust him to carry it a little bit and not feel like he's just going to give it away or do something just too quick. But Westbrook, he's just, he, his shot selection isn't the greatest. Um, that's true. So his, his shot selection, he shoots like he's Kobe, but he's efficient. <laughs> he's just not there, unfortunately. The, so the bank shot doesn't do it for you. No, it, it's not. Um, his He takes the range shots like he's Steph, which kills me. It, it's, his, it's just no efficiency, right? So, again, a floor raiser in the middle grounds there. I feel like he would be a dominant player for any team that's bad, really bad or great already. But that middle ground is where he causes issues. We saw Paul George kind of come to town. He had some bad playoff games too. Um, but for a team with the two of them, they should have won a playoff series, right? There's no reason for them to lose to Utah in six games. Um, I think they lost to the Blazers in six. I think in the other one, right? When – Dame, um, took, Dame hit the shot, yeah. Yeah. That Dame shot. shot. <laughs> so, I mean, they that was just the two years. They win four playoff games over 12 games, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it wasn't like the rest of the team was necessarily terrible, um, but it wasn't a – they weren't bad teams. They were teams that we expected to win that series. Um, and when you go back and look at it, yeah, Westbrook's numbers were great. And so you look at his turnovers, you, which, I mean, it comes, again, with like Trey Lund, comes with the – with all those um, touches, but at the end of the day, you know, I'm just not sure. Like he, they made him, it felt like he was doing too much. Um, and, and others weren't involved enough. Um, it's crazy as that sounds, right? Like somebody that averaged 10 assists a game, not getting the team involved. Sounds right. ridiculous. It, it, but when the ball's in his hands and almost every possession. And I want to say his, I want to say it was like 36% or something or 30, someone high, mid, low to mid thirties percentage wise of possessions that ended in his hands or ended from his, him passing it to the shooter. Um, so it's, it's crazy because he's so electrifying and just so crazy. So, so I'll ask you this, Russell Westbrook, triple double. Luka Doncic, triple-double. James Harden, triple-double. Apparently, all triple-doubles aren't the same. So, I will say Luka's definitely um, on the – they're all three have some similar similarities depending on the game, right? So, it depends on the situation. You have games where Westbrook's just dominating the boards. If you're talking about the most dominant – like rebounding point guard, I mean, it's assuming Ben, we're not yeah. Simmons, who's an absolute freak in six foot yeah. nine. <laughs> uh, Westbrook's the most dominant on the boards, right? He just clears. But at the same time, I think he also pushes the pace for them, but it's also unnecessary times. And that's the kind of thing that like worked out well for Golden State was Draymond was such a good rebounder and it let Steph up at the floor. So instead of Steph going collecting nine rebounds a game, 
collecting in these uncontested rebounds, they push the pace. So the ball is had instead of Westbrook having to take five or six big giant leaps up the floor to get the midcourt, taking you a couple seconds. Draymond clears an easy rebound. It's halfway up the floor to Steph, and he takes two steps for a shot. It's uncontested, or he finds Clay in the corner for an uncontested shot. Um, so I think they look a lo- like Dallas looks a little better with KP back there. Yeah, Jacob's gonna lose his mind, um, but. <laughs> But they, um, I I think it's the situation, right? Like Harden definitely does it too. And I I think they all, all three of them do it right. Um, But you also see more efficiency out of the other two where Harden, you can trust to put up 50, 60 points on a night and he's going to win you the game just because he was efficient with it. And it's, it's a willingness to get to the free throw line too. So that helps as well is he's going to take 20 free throws and he's going to work himself to the line and he's going to make everyone else respect him and respect everybody else on the floor. Where if Westbrook takes a shot, I feel like it's almost like if he's not hot and on fire, you're okay with him taking a 15 foot jumper. You're okay with him taking a deep three. Luca you almost want to see him get to the line at this point rather than take that open shot. Um, Westbrook's free throw percentage is dropping as well. Yeah. And that, that's the one thing holding Luca back as well is like he's shooting. I could honestly see him having like a 50, 40 year. And then that third percentage is not going to be the 90. It's going to be like the 70, <laughs> yeah. which is a shame. So I think Luca's in that middle ground between Harden and like Westbrook where the efficiency lies. Mm-hmm. Um, and the free throws rely, uh, right? Like, Luka gets the line a lot better than Westbrook, but not as often as Harden. But he shoots well like Harden, and you trust him taking the bad shots because he might have that one for 12 game. The next game he's seven for nine, and it's game over, right? So it's Westbrook's cons- more consistent, but his consistency is like – 30-10 with five turnovers and 10 of 24 shooting. I, I, it just drives me nuts. So then I'll, I'll ask you this to close it out. Do you think the triple-double is a watered-down stat? It depends. So, like, I see a lot of, like, it depends on the game, too. Like, if you – it's kind of like an eye test of that situation, right? Mm-hmm. That's where the eye test comes in peace. Like, when you watch a Westbrook game – is he going and getting 15 rebounds off of, off the offensive side and it's just, you know, missed shot and everybody clears out and he just walks in and picks up a ball that bounced twice? Or is he, you know, missing a layup and picking up an offensive rebound and slamming it back home? Oh, you mean the Bob Sura triple-double? <laughs> My guy. <laughs> Fair. But it's just kind of depends on the situation. Like, I feel like a LeBron triple-double is more meaningful to me. Um, than a Westbrook triple-double these days. Like, because you can see he's picking up rebounds underneath or he's contesting rebounds where most of – it felt like Westbrook's triple-doubles were, you know, I don't know, an uncontested rebound that's just kind of laying there. And that's where the analytics come in check, right? Like, if you look at standard stats, Westbrook averages 10 rebounds a game. That's ridiculous. Mm Mm-hmm. 
but and how many offensive rebounds does he grab? A lot for a offensive for a guard, right? Right. But how many of those defensive rebounds are contested? A ton. Yeah, quite quite a, a high number. But it, but like you say, those uncontested defensive rebounds also pushes the break. So it, it also plays into the pace of play, uh, style of play. So even though they're uncontested, it, it may be by design. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's not like the team. It's not like Stephen Adams was just box out and going. I don't want this rebound. Let me just give it to Westbrook, right? But what's the first thing? If you watched the Thunder game back when it was MVP season, the first thing was Adams put out a rebound. He grabbed it. He didn't look anywhere else but to his side for Westbrook standing there. And he pushed the pace. So Mm -hmm. I think the one thing that sucks for teams like, not Brooklyn, but um, Houston back then, Oklahoma City back then, um, Dallas now, it's just getting somebody like Draymond who makes a significant difference that you don't need these guys averaging 10 rebounds, six or seven rebounds suffices because now they're getting better opportunities. The ball is moving faster up the court. If you go back and look at the amount of shots uncontested that Clay and um, Steph took during those championship years, uncontested threes, ridiculous. They were top 10 three straight years in uncontested three-point attempts. Both of them. The two creative shooters on the planet. It, it's really wild and goes to show you how they won 73 games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, the fact that two of the greatest shooters all time on the same team, leading the top 10 in the league in uncontested threes for three straight years. It, how? It really is my model. I'll tell you how. Draymond Green, uh, which – begs the question, I mean, he came out this week and said he's the greatest defender ever. I mean, he, he can guard one through five, kick a guy in the nuts, and win finals games. Does Draymond have a legitimate point? All-time greatest defender? No, not a, not a chance. Um, but I think when we look at all-time greatest defender, we have to look past the, like, just bigs. Like, if you ask me who is a better defender right now at their position, guarding that position, Rudy Gobert is better than Draymond, right? Right. But if you ask me who's the greater all-around defender, probably Draymond, right? Because you, you can trust him to guard two, three, two through four, maybe the one in switches and situations. Right. But you don't want him to guard the five. I mean, small Not ball left. Often. Small right. ball lineups you can pull it away with, right? But you don't trust him guarding the five consistently. So does he have a case all time? No. Hell no. Because, again, you've got so many, and Bill Russell still exists, right? So yeah. – um, I mean, that Gary Payton. I mean, yeah, yeah. Scotty Pippen yeah. at his position. Uh, it it kind of depends on your definition, right? Like mm-hmm. – is he the most? Is he the greatest versatile defender of all time? Then we're starting to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Greatest defender of all time? No. Hell, I don't think he's the best defender this season. No. Much less, you know, all time. So uh, when you you say like you mean like this era or this? Like, I mean, this, no, this this current season. I don't think he's the best oh, no. one. It, even let's say his heyday. Yeah, he has a defensive player of the year. Uh, I, I like Ben Simmons this year. 
Yep. Um, Jacob liked Ben Simmons this year. I, I, Absolutely. But he, Draymond made a point as to where, you know, basketball IQ and anticipating plays and then finishing the defensive play with the rebound and starting the break, much like you pointed out, was part of his reasoning for making that claim. Uh, Scotty Pippen did the same thing. Yes, he did. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, granted, he had Jordan and, and Rodman with him all the time defenders in their own right. I mean, the pace of play, uh, you can take it to account. The three-point shooting, you can take it to account. But it, I, I like the confidence in Draymond. I wouldn't expect him to say anything else. But, uh, yeah, I, I think he's a little, little out there as far as uh, as far as making that claim. So my question for you is, how would you see Kevin Durant as a defender this year? When healthy, obviously. When, I mean, and- when healthy, hell, he, he, could, he himself could win defensive player of the year if he wanted to. It's just he doesn't want to expound all that energy on the defensive end. Exactly. So that kind of brings up a point to extent too, right? Like how much of a difference does the team in front of you make in your defensive efforts, right? Like Pippen could afford to put that much effort on the defensive end because again, Michael Jordan was on the other, was in front of him. Right. So obviously he's second option, but he could afford to do it just like KD could in Golden State. That's why KD made such a difference for them too, is he was so good defensively because he could afford to be. Draymond's in a similar situation uh, at certain points, especially during his prime, because he could, his offense was give the ball to the two or three greatest shooters in the league and get out of the way. So it helped him in certain stances back then. Now, definitely not. And I think that's kind of what makes a difference and kind of thing we need to kind of look at as well when you come down to like, who's the greatest defender of all time or even just greatest defender of that year. Is like Ben's obviously an elite defender, but could he maintain that if he was on a different roster? I think he so, would. I think, I, I think, think so. Would. I think he would definitely still be an elite defender, but would he be defensive player of the year? I think so. Yeah, I, yeah, I you think gotta, you gotta really. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I got no, go no, ahead. no, no, go ahead. Okay, yeah, like I, I, I think I know where you're going because he has Tybal, and he has because Tybal in his own right is a really good defender, and then and B, but he can really lock you down. I like how you can put the clamps on him from basically, you come up. Once you pass half court, you can put the clamps on it. Or if you go in full court D, I would trust Ben Simmons to do that all the way down there. Yeah. So he he definitely, I think, yeah, once you play D, you play D. Like, that's the thing. If you're yeah. good at it, no matter what team you're on, you're going to be able to. I'm not saying that necessarily the defensive, uh, the defensive skill changes. I'm saying necessarily the effort changes, right? Because if you put Westbrook on a, like, I don't know, you put Westbrook in Houston right now, mm-hmm. or not Houston, I'm sorry, in Brooklyn right now, he would go back to being a good defender. Because he doesn't need to put 100% of his effort into the offensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Where in Oklahoma City during those MVP years, there was, I mean, Depot was the second option and he just wasn't Depot yet, right? Mm-hmm. So he just couldn't afford to put 100% on both ends of the floor playing 40 minutes a night because he'd be dead. Um, and we saw that with Bronze in some points too, right? Like in his yeah. early 30s, where he started not putting the effort defensively mm-hmm. because he carried such a load offensively. So, if Ben starts taking, you know, all those extra shots every night and then starts driving the rim a little bit more, not that he doesn't already, but he starts taking an extra couple shots and putting more effort on the offensive end because he needs to, 
you know, what difference does it make? So it's interesting to see. I'd actually like to go back and take a look at like how Pippen performed defensively that year that MJ was gone and see like how his numbers, if they, how they drastically changed, if they went up, down, what difference did it make? Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll give Felipe that, uh, that mission. <laughs> that's how, oh yeah. Felipe, that's all you. He's already t- he's the whole article written out. Oh, he as got the as- Excel sheet running. <laughs> yeah. And since we said Pippen the first time. <laughs> he looked up and said, huh? All right. But listen, the, the conversation starts and ends with Bill Russell. When, if you can shut, shut down Wilt from ever winning a championship, the most dominant center to play this game, that, that, that's the end of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. I will say the one thing that I always will always lean Wilt over Bill as an individual player was the fact that, like, the, what he averaged against Bill. It's crazy to me to think that Wilt could average 30 and 30 on Bill Russell. And no one cared, right? <laughs> like, everyone's like, he's still the greatest defender of all time. Mm-hmm. I don't care if he gave a 30-30 to Will. 11 championships, dominated, head coach, center, didn't matter. So it's crazy that we st- like we just, like, instantly, greatest defender of all time, Bill Russell, and he gave a 30-30 to Will Chamberlain. We saw Dwight Howard put up a 30-30 year a couple of years ago, and everyone lost their minds mm-hmm. because it was the first one's like, it was one of the bright sides of like the last five years at that point. So, but it was the first one since K Love did in Minnesota. So it was crazy to see it happen. And obviously, errors changed and everything, but 30 and 30, and he still couldn't even win games against Bill. It it, it really is wild. And and like, on the same parallel, Shaq and Hakeem, you know. Shaq, you know, he put up monster numbers, but once you go against the Keem, that was... He put that Keem. dream shake on him. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, what the hell am I supposed to do? Yeah, it, it, it's just no answer. <laughs> but, you know, um, you know, we're also it, coming down a home stretch, about 30 games left. We're all in the same uh, fantasy league over in the CBS Sports Football with Life group. Um, where I am in first place. I've been giving you advice all year. <laughs> None of you have taken it. I am just going to – I'm not going to put, put the crown on now. Man, you got Yogi. Uh, I mean, we, we can go down the list of who I have. But oh, just, you know just wait till like, boy Kevin Durant comes back and I start getting my 45-plus points a game. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to put him in over – who am I putting in now? Al Horford. Oh, yeah, get him out of here. Yeah, who do you want, Al Horford or Kevin Durant? I'm thinking I'm leaving the big mean Al, but I don't know. It's hard to tell. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it's been a rough go for um, fantasy sports in general. How, how you guys have been holding up? I'm in a league, another league with Tyler. I'm just like Larry's actually kicking my butt right now, but it doesn't help. You know, once LeBron went down, I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> That, that was, I was like, eh, no, no, no. And then Bam out of bio. I forgot. I keep forgetting to put him up on my damn in the actual active roster, which is killing me. But that league and then our league, I'm like, our other league, not CBS, the Yahoo one, I'm like this. Because all the injuries are starting to kill me because Katie, I haven't seen him since Jesus came home. Um, who else? But the CBS league, I'm, I'm coming along. Once Morant came back, Joe Harris is putting in work for me. Thank you, Felipe, for dropping Kelvin Johnson. I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate that. 
I mean, 3J comes back, my team is going to be something else. But right now, everybody's they're putting in the work. I'm winning my matchup right now. I got a squeaker in versus Aaron. And now I'm just I'm looking to go 9-5 right now. I'd like to say that as much trash as I talk Ooh. on Trey Young, um, and Trey Young, if you're out there and you're listening for some crazy reason, you're in both my fantasy leagues. So you are my second savior behind Kevin Durant, who I own in both leagues. So um, if you could tear it up in the final stretch here, I don't know, like 35 points a game, maybe like a dozen assists or so, something crazy, I'd appreciate it. I don't care if you play, don't play defense. In fact, I kind of want you to stuck on defense because then you lose games. And if you lose games, I'm probably winning games because you're scoring points. And the Hornets continue to pull up to their four seed where they rightfully belong. So I appreciate you, Trey Young. Please score more points. Play less defense. Yeah, we're going to have to go back and erase like 30 minutes of tape. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, NCAA bracket. We got some. Who cares? I, I, I know my. my my bracket is screwed. Thank you, Illinois. Thank you, uh, Texas. Go down the line. Uh, Tyler, how's your bracket coming along? Um, about dead is the Knicks' chances of winning a playoff series this year. Uh, um, <laughs> no, that's true. Uh, hey. <laughs> no, I don't know. Smoke. Um, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I'd like to just note that um, my only hope at this point is Gonzaga and Michigan. Um, so Gonzaga, my final four is good because I had Gonzaga, Michigan, and Baylor. I thought they were their clear top three teams. Um, and that corner with Illinois was my um, – I wasn't sure where to go because um, I thought that corner looked really good. Um, I thought Oklahoma State was kind of killing it. Um, and they – I thought they got a really bad draw, right? Like yeah. they played um, – mm-hmm. It was at Liberty in the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to remember who their, that bracket was there. So they played Liberty in the first round. Then they ended up play if they assume Tennessee won, what they showed up. Tennessee was a good team. They had to play Tennessee. They, they looked awful. Yeah, they looked bad. But either way, assuming things worked out right for them, they should have had to play a tough Liberty team, end up against um, Tennessee, and probably play the fourth best team in the country, Illinois, at that point. Um, and I thought the top four teams, especially the top three, were pretty much obvious. Um, and I thought that draw was going to be a death fight between Illinois and Oklahoma State in that uh, Sweet 16 to see who goes to the Final Four. And apparently that's the craziest side of the bracket because right now the Houston is the only team that could survive. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I mean, Loyola played well. They played excellent defense, that trap defense on, on Illinois. Yeah. Gave the, the Muncie trouble. Um, once that went down, they went my bracket. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michigan surviving. Baylor actually looks like a, a decent team. I'm very shocked at that. West Virginia got ousted. I was around later than I thought, so <laughs> for them. But, uh, you know, the, uh, who was uh, Oregon State. Um, they looked pretty good, but you know, right now my, my hope is that Gonzaga makes the, the championship game. I can somewhat salvage my bracket, but all things considered, uh, a very entertaining uh, tournament. 
are we hoping for Gonzaga to go undefeated at this point? Or are we just kind of like anybody but them? What's like, what's our takes at this point? I want to see it. I want to see somebody run the table. I, 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 just, I just like seeing that. Yeah, right? Like, if it wasn't for Michigan, I'd be like, yeah, run the table. But like, at the same time, at, this, at like the same time, you kind of want to see like somebody crazy, like not that Syracuse, but Syracuse. Oh or, God, no. I mean, I me too. I hate Syracuse, but like the 11 seed kind of makes it cool. Um, but like Oregon State, Sister Jean, and the squad, like one of them winning would be super crazy. But at the same time, like at this point, as long as Syracuse doesn't win, I think I'm good. That's what yeah. I'm th- at this point. I'm like, nah, that's one team I can't. Plus, I live in the area, so I'm like, yeah, no, I'm good. Ooh, yeah, that'd so. be tough. Yeah, <laughs> thanks so. though. Yeah, any, any. So, I guess the consensus here is anyone but Syracuse. Absolutely. Uh, uh, prefer Earl Roberts because that would be just hilarious. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That, that would be nice. A nice championship for Oral. So we're no making no jokes here, right? We've made enough no, jokes. Yeah, okay. I, you, you, no, I, I'm, I'm going to let that one go. I got to check the family box for the YouTube upload. So I will I'm, say, I'm clean. real quick update, um, Malik Monk has 21 points, and we are five minutes into the second quarter. Um, Charlotte's up 60 to 31 on Miami. So um, you guys suck. <laughs> Oh man, Malik Monk getting that burn. Can we trade him for Kevin Knox? Um, I I wouldn't take Kevin Knox for free at this point. <laughs> I, I'm never letting it go. I wanted MPJ. I wanted it. I I was hoping. I was like, please, I would gladly take his back issue because I think he would have came back strong. He's young, and then just, I'm telling you, every time I watch Denver and I watch a lot of them, it hurts. It really hurts. It hurts my soul. I'm just sitting there going. I need to go back in the group and find the, all the um, love I had for Michael Porter Jr. Uh, and express how I thought he was a number one pick for a uh, very long time. Even with the back injuries, I still thought he was a top five pick. Yeah, he, he definitely was, man. It was, and oh, it's like everyone just wants Denver to win at this point. Like everyone's like, you know what, Denver, you want a championship? Here, have it. <laughs> Aaron, You're here, Brooklyn, what's wrong with you people? <laughs> Aaron Gordon for free. Mike Porter Jr. Oh, you could have him in the in the late lottery. No big deal. Yeah, it, you could thank the Knicks for Jamal Murray. Last, the last part of the Mellow deal gave him Jamal Murray. Oh my god, that 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 was that was brutal. I don't. Well, y- y'all guys gave up Tatum and Lillard pretty much, so I don't feel it. Yeah, bad. yeah, that's true. But um, you know, redeemed yourself. Yeah, you got a point there. Um. I know we had a lot of tournament talk. Thank good, our good friend Lucas last week. Um, suffered a brutal loss for Illinois, but he <laughs> was he was great um, last week on our show. Yes. Uh, shout out to him, new football life admin. Um, I'd like to thank you, Tyler, for coming on as well, uh, sharing your knowledge and backing up those claims of D'Lo and Trey Young and Knicks, just no playoff wins. I mean, you, you got a lot of bad <laughs> takes here tonight, buddy. But, um, hey, I still have Brooklyn winning at all. If that makes you feel better. All right, I'll, I'll forgive you. <laughs> oh God, here we go. Uh, thank you, Tyler, for coming on uh, in, in the Heat jersey. Big Hornets fan. Um, been real great here. Uh, you can catch many of our other shows. I, we know spring training is coming up. We got the more fantasy news, fantasy drafts coming along. Uh, Felipe, 
Sean Connor Flannery. Sunday morning, total basis podcast, 11 a.m. in baseball life. Monday, NL East preview. Uh, this Monday, 7 p.m. The NL Central was this past Monday. Uh, nobody cares. Yeah, Pittsburgh done before we even start. Are you a Pirates fan? Yeah, it's painful. Yeah. Yikes. Uh, Bobcats well, were back. Let me just slide in them Pittsburgh Pirates for true. $4. That's true. But you got you had the you have the Steelers. So all that kind of washes it away. Just a little bit. Mm, after the last just a little bit. Three months? Mm. I'll forever hate the Steelers because y'all ruined our championships like two years in a Yeah, screw y'all. I'll never like y'all ever. Big Ben could kiss my ass. Heath Miller could it, kiss my ass. It's not our fault that you took Sanchez and thought he was a starting quarterback. That is not he our was. fault. He was. He was for about two years. I mean. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But if you had literally anybody else. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I think we would have been fine. But, you know, now the quarterback hopefully changes. You know, I, I don't want to get on the same train, but it's that God time. You heard it here first. Yeah. <sighs> yep. Please don't suck. <laughs> and you can hear that again this Tuesday night. Football Life presents the Audible, Matt Bushnell, Randy Hammond. Those guys are going to be covering draft prospects coming up. Uh, I think they're going to go through the first 10 to 15 of them. We break that down for you. Once Matt gets into that uh, tape, he does not leave. No. Excellent breakdown from him. Uh, work Shoot Podcast, Wrestling Life, Jason Brooks, Corey Richmond, Fastlane was uh, this past Sunday, right? Yes, it was. It wasn't bad. Oh, ho, ho. We, we, get, we got something to watch, something entertaining now. Uh, hey, man, they, they did their thing. I, I won't. Everything was entertaining, but it wasn't really. I was expecting a C, C plus. I got a B. I was like, okay. But you go definitely check out Fastlane. Check it on WWE Network, but we'll let those guys discuss it. And yeah. Uh, they, they do a wonderful job as well. Absolutely. You can catch us right back here next Friday night, 7 p.m. You can catch all our previous episodes on the YouTube channel or Anchor, Spotify, Apple, if you're listening, by subscribing to the Life Group Podcast Network. And, you know, exactly. Do it. Big Niner trade. We know Henry is real, real excited for that. Again, catch that on Tuesday. Uh, like, geez. <laughs> Tell is taking more heat. He just keep d- dishing them out, man. <laughs> that's what we took over with the gun smoke. That's that's what we want. We like that. Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> oh, oh, poor guy. Going back, he's like, I could be part of the greatest, one of the greatest dynasties ever as a backup quarterback. I'm living the good life. You know? <laughs> then he goes to the 49ers, loses in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. They suck for a year. They're going to get the pieces back together, and then everyone's healthy mm-hmm. with a nice top 10 or top 12 pick. Oh, yeah. And then all of a sudden, oh, and then they're like, by the way, we're trading up, we're getting the quarterback, and you're out. <laughs> Bye. Go back to New England. But, hey, you never know. He'll probably turn that squad back around. They'll be terrorizing the Jets for another freaking 15, 20 years or something. Yeah, that'd be your luck. <laughs> Pretty much. Wait, wait I, I'm sorry. I just gotta say this. I, I can't believe you just did the whole visual effect here, just to get in your troll. You know what? You're a bad man, Tyler. You're a bad man. Hey, you you get the opportunity. And and you know what? We're about to end it right now. That's it. Um, 
Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you guys next week. Until next time, fall out. Fall out.